What a precious, intimate night we're having tonight. You can pat yourself on the back. We made it here despite the weather. Woohoo! You know, it's um, Wednesday's a teaching night, so and I love teaching about what practical. Um, I call them practicums. And, um, you know, it's so important when we get in the atmosphere like this that we don't rush to do format. Like, church is going to happen. And it doesn't matter if worship ends up lasting 20 minutes longer or seven minutes shorter or prayers a little longer. The thing is, is that we won't encounter him. You know, we love structure. We have structure all over the place in our life. But where we find safety is within that structure to have freedom. To have freedom to say, God, we have prepared and we have prepared. We've done due diligence before you. But when we step in that place, you're still in charge, and you have your way in that service. And so when we get in atmospheres like this, it's so easy sometimes for us to just go through the routine of stand up, sit down, raise my hands, walk around. Okay, here you go. Yes, yes. All right, it's time. All right, got to go get the kids. And we just do our routine, and we don't mean it, right? Like we're coming, we love the Lord, we want to be here. But sometimes we just get in repetition. And it's so important for us to, to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. To be sensitive to what he's doing. Did y'all feel the sweetness tonight? It was, it was different. It was, it was, and it was like that Sunday morning when she started singing Holy, Holy. And it was a similar atmosphere tonight. And we don't want to take it for granted. God's doing something special, something unique. And so when we find ourselves in those places that we're just kind of like doing our thing, doing our routine, doing our thing, that we just kind of take a step back and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to conscientiously receive from you. I don't want to miss out on what you're doing, so help me get in alignment. And so sometimes you'll see me get on the floor, and there's a whole bunch of reasons I get on the floor during worship and cover myself up, but sometimes it's just to turn me off. Do you get what I'm saying? Sometimes it's just to turn my head off and the way that I receive, and who cares? I just need to lay down before you and let you do your thing. And let you step on in. So that was my little side note of our practicum tonight. But I also wanted to say how awesome a service on Sunday. Woohoo! So um, holy rolling and loving it. And so we, we only got to cover point one. So we'll have point two this Sunday. So bring a friend. I'm expecting to have a great fun Holy Ghost time. Um, <clears throat> amen. But our next thing that I really wanted to make sure that we cover tonight again is speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. Remember, they're not a sign of spiritual maturity. Remember, anyone that's born again can get baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongue, and any born-again believer can have the Spirit of God come upon them using the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? The, the sign of maturity of a believer is what? The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit comes as we have our, have our relationship with Him. It's an ongoing daily relationship. And our nature begins to take on the nature of Christ. But this, the gifts of the Spirit in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues is a yielding. It's a personal yielding to His presence in that moment, turning over control of our mind, our heart, our tongue to the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
So it's not necessarily a sign of maturity. It can be, but most of the time it is not. And so I um, just want to keep putting that plug out there. So we, because we're studying it, we're learning it, we're talking a whole lot about it, but it, it's not necessarily a sign of maturity, but it is something that we all desire. Amen? Awesome. Well, if you're following us in the blue book, we're on page 69 tonight. And we're continuing, why should I speak in tongues? How many of you have ever heard, I don't think we should pray in tongues because I'm, I'm embarrassed and I'm scared to bring new people to the church with me. Yeah. Have you ever heard that? I've been told that so many times. I'm so glad you asked us that tonight because that's so not biblical. That's just man. Tongues is absolutely 100% a sign for the non-Christian world. If we turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 14 in verse 21, it says, In the law it is written, By men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people. And even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Even then, tongues are for a sign. How much more plain can we get? Tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. And so tongues is a sign. Now we look in Acts chapter 2, and what happened on the day of Pentecost? Holy Spirit falls, tongues of fire, rushing mighty winds happen, and these 120 are praying out in other tongues, and the people on the street didn't run away in fear, but they begin questioning, right? Hey, is that not our own language? What's happening? So when the day of Pentecost came, it didn't frighten people away, but instead it was a sign to begin to draw people into, um, into the believers. So when the power of the Holy Spirit is released, people are drawn to Christ. The non-Christian world recognizes God's power. Now, I was praying about this earlier today, and one of these for sure signs we would see all the time in the French Quarter. You know, being in New Orleans, being in Devil's Den, right in Jackson Square, you would see crazy stuff happen all the time, and no one would think twice about it. Everyone would go along their pretty little business. But this one particular night, me and three of my friends decided it was the year after Katrina, we just wanted to go to the quarter and worship. We, we don't know why, except it was a God thing. And so we ended up in the quarter. He had no idea where we were going to go. And um, the, the one guy was with us, my friend's husband. And he said, well, I have a guitar in the trunk. You think I should bring it? We're like, sure, why not? And, you know, we're walking. Well, where do you want to go? And his wife said, let's go to Devil's Den. And so we're like, sure, why not? I mean, no plans whatsoever. Nothing coerced. And we go out to Devil's Den, and, um, well, what are we going to do? Well, we want to worship, so let's just worship. Can you strum the guitar a little bit? So they started playing the guitar, and we start worshiping. And then each one of us, one by one, got caught up in the Holy Spirit. And so we're worshiping in English. We're worshiping in tongues. Because um, the guy playing guitar didn't stick to one course. He started going off in the spirit. We didn't know what he was singing, you know, what he was playing. And so we all find ourselves, and we're just worshiping, praying the Holy Ghost. Well, what happens when you do that? You become unaware of your surroundings. You don't care what's happening because you're having a date with Jesus. 
And so here we are in the middle of Jackson Square, worshiping our hearts out. And we are just having the best party. And next thing you know, we start opening our eyes, and we've got a crowd all around us. There was like 30 people around us going, what is happening? And that's not pretty normal in the French Quarter. And um, even for people that are really good, with, with like many bands out there, you don't get a lot of people most of the time. And so um, what happened is we started just preaching the gospel. We started preaching the gospel. We started leading people to Christ. And next thing you know, that became a weekly evangelism outreach that we did with our young adults for like three years and saw dozens and dozens of people come to the Lord. And so the awesome thing is you'd think, well, why would you go in the middle of Jackson Square and pray in tongues and worship? Why not? We weren't embarrassed. We weren't embarrassed of our God, and we weren't trying to be boastful or put it in people's face. We really felt an unction of the Holy Ghost to worship him. And as we encountered him, and we weren't trying to push him on anyone, we just worshiped, and all these people came drawing to us. It was awesome. It was amazing. And so this other night, so we're out there for three years, about, and um, this one particular, and I would lead all the teams, and this one particular, and so we would talk to all kinds of people, and the tourists, the, everybody would see us out there week after week, nobody bothered us, why are these people talking to the homeless, whatever, and this one particular week, I'm talking to this homeless guy who happened to be a veteran, and he hadn't slept in weeks, and you could tell, I mean, he was kind of out of his mind crazy like of exhaustion and the reason he every time he would fall asleep he would begin he had PTSD and he would begin to see visions um, and reenactments of things he'd seen at war and his daughter didn't know that he was on the streets anymore and um, the check that he got from the military he was retired he was sent to her she was in college he always called from the same pay phone so she would see the same number so she wouldn't know he was homeless and the more he talked the more legitimate I knew that he was and it was bearing witness with me and um, so I just asked him can I pray with you I just I, I can't hear anything anymore I just need to pray with you and he said yes and so I'm sitting down on the steps with him and I have my arm around him and I just begin to pray and I pray out in the Holy Ghost and what do you think happens? Well, he's sleeping, and my heart's breaking because he hadn't slept in a long time. And so I told my team, do your thing. I'm staying right here. And I sat there. Zach was there that night. He, um, you were standing over there because you were mad because I was sitting down with a, with a man, and are you going to be okay? And I said, go. And he says, but you're by yourself. And... Um, he was starting to look after me by that point. And, um, but the funny thing is, is all these men and all these, um, these um, tourists, all these people that are passing, start stopping by and saying, hey, hey, get off of her. And all those other weeks, they never cared who we were talking to and what we were doing. But all of a sudden, when the presence of the Lord's there, we're praying in the Holy Ghost. This guy is getting ministered to. As he sleeps, people are drawn to that situation. And so it's very interesting how every other week nobody cared. But when the Holy Ghost is evident on the scene, it was making a scene in the public 
Again, not to boast in it, but the Holy Ghost was there in a special way, making a scene. It begins to draw people unto him. Now, I want to look at a couple of examples in Scripture, and I have one more story to tell you. But if you look in your Bible to Acts 2, which is the day of Pentecost, in verse 7, the Bible says they were all amazed and marveled. They weren't disgusted and thrown back and um, freaked out, but they were amazed. They marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? Hey, how's this happening? What's going on? And in verses 11 and 12, it says, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? In Acts 2, verses 15 and 16, it says, for these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day or nine o'clock in the morning, but this is that which was spoken of through the prophet Joel. Now, if you've been around on Sunday mornings, you've heard my husband tell a story of when the Holy Ghost moved upon him in the middle of a sermon when he was sitting in the pew receiving from our senior pastor and the Holy Ghost began bubbling up out of his belly, remember? He started laughing hysterically, uncontrollably, rolling on the floor. Well, he stayed drunk for about two months. And during that time, it was my birthday, and in that season for my birthday, every year, a group of us would go down to the quarter, and we'd have dinner, we'd take all of our leftovers on the streets, we'd go visit our homeless friends, and we'd begin to minister Christ. Well, one problem is we had Zach with us, who stayed drunk for two months. So we're walking the streets, and um, we go, and we begin to, you know, love on people with the love of Christ, and he begins to ha-ha-ho-ho-hee-hee. Ho, and he's totally uncontrollable, ho, 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 and he can't walk. He's like, he looked like the day of Pentecost. He is laughing uncontrollably. He's praying out in the Holy Ghost. It is a huge scene. Were you there that year, Debo? Yes, I, you were probably were the other drunk with her Chinese tongue. And so she has a very distinct Asian tongue that comes out. And so what happened was all these people, now you mind you, we're in the quarter, so what do you think of when you think of the quarter? You think of Bourbon Street, which is normally not what it is. But you think of Bourbon Street, but in the quarter, you'll see drunk people all over the place, day or night. And it's no big deal. You just kind of walk past them. That's the, the, the New Orleans thing, is that's what you see. But it was such a spectacle that people began to stop and say, is he going to be all right? Is he going to be okay? What are y'all going to do? And so it was another Acts 2 experience quoting the prophecy from Joel of this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. He is not drunk as you suppose, but in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on our sons and our daughters. They shall prophesy. And so it became an opportunity for us to witness. It didn't distract us from witnessing. We just began to change change the format, change how we were planning on doing it. We weren't going to just walk up to people and say, hey, how's it going? You having a good night? What's up? Now they were coming to us saying, is he okay? What y'all going to do with him? Amen? So we just began to surrender control of how we thought church looked like, how we thought evangelism looked like, and we began to let the leading of the Holy Ghost guide us. 
That's the kind of stuff that the baptism of the Holy Spirit allows. It draws people unto, unto you versus you always having to go out. Isaiah 28, 11 and 12 in the New American Standard says, Indeed, he will speak to this people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. He who said to them, here is rest. Anybody weary out there tonight? Here is rest. Give rest to the weary. And here is repose. But they will not listen. So we see 700 years before Christ, a prophecy about tongues, a prophecy about our heavenly language. 700 years. It wasn't just an afterthought of God. It was always in his plan, the promise of the Father to be poured out on all flesh. Always in his plans. I love Isaiah 28, 11 and 12 in the Amplified. It says, no, but the Lord will teach the rebels in a more humiliating way. By men with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people, says Isaiah, and teach them his lessons. To these complaining Jews, the Lord has said, this is the true rest, the way to true comfort and happiness that you shall give to the weary, and this is the true refreshing Yet they would not listen to his teaching. And so we see it's not new. It's from of old. And it is a place that we find rest. We find healing. We find a place of peace and a place of security as we yield to the Holy Ghost. And we let him come upon us. Um, it's also... It says, through this teaching, many will listen. And so the reality of it is, is tongues is going to bring many people to salvation. And, and, and modern-day Christians, you know, tongues is a very, um, it's, it brings a lot of conflict, a lot of division, um, because it makes people uncomfortable. But as you and I begin to yield to it, it's not about us. It's not. It's not about us at all. And so, you know, and it is embarrassing, you know, um, in the natural, to be an educated person that's respected in the community and all of a sudden you come and you have your family or you have your, you know, people in the business world come over and next thing you know, you're Shabbat and the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you're jumping up and down and your hair's flying and all of a sudden your clothes aren't quite right on you anymore and then you're rolling on the floor. But in that moment, you don't care anymore. You realize I just looked like a fool, but I looked like a fool for the Lord. And so the reality of it is all those people that knew you before are going to understand and know that's not you. What has happened inside of you that's allowing you to change like this? What is going on? What's happening? It's a sign and it's a wonder. And it does bring people unto salvation. Now listen, we're not talking about there's flaky people all over the place. There's flaky people in Christianity. There's flaky people in Pentecost. Are they not, are they, I wish they weren't around, but hello, people are people. And does that happen? Yes. But we're not talking about that. God's going to weed that out on his own. What you and I want to do is go full on after Christ himself. The Holy Spirit is another one, just like the first one. The Bible calls it another helper, Allos Parakletos. I want the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is another one, just like Christ. And as I pursue Him, 
all this stuff begins to happen in my life. As I pursue him and I begin to receive of his gifts and his goodness, this is the manifestation that begins to take place. We also learn from Isaiah 28 that praying in tongues is therapeutic. Therapeutic. Every one of us needs to go to counseling at some point of our life to just walk through stuff. Amen. We need a third party to sit in there and help us make sense of life. But the thing is, therapists and scientists can only deal with natural things. They can only deal with the natural. But God, the Holy Ghost, can deal with the core root problem of everything going on in our life. And so as you and I begin to pray out in the Holy Ghost, it's like you and I go and sit in the therapist's office for an hour times 50 and letting the Holy Ghost begin to minister life to us. You're stressed out. You're ticked off. You're confused. You don't know what to do. Go to the Holy Spirit. Go to the comforter of all comforters. Go to the counselor, the great teacher, my very best friend, and let him begin to give you therapy. How is that? Isaiah 28 talks about it. It says that this is the way of true comfort and happiness. It's true rest to the weary. Praying in tongues brings God's anointing on the scene, and that anointing breaks the devil's power. The anointing breaks the yoke. Y'all have heard time and time again, Everywhere I go, begin to ask our staff and all of our volunteers, do you hear, what, do, you, do you know where Pastor Heather is in the, in the church, in the offices? And they'll all begin to tell you, yes, because I can hear her singing in tongues. No, I don't hold a good tune whenever I sing, but when I sing in the Holy Ghost, it sounds pretty good. Amen. And I've just become that I be, I'm a woman of the Spirit and of the truth. I'm a woman of the Holy Ghost. I'm a tongue talker, but I am a woman of the word. You will find my nose in a Bible, and you will find me singing out in the Holy Ghost because that's where I've learned to live, hiding and abiding in him. But what happens with it is the anointing that comes from spending time with him is the very thing that breaks the yoke in people's lives. You know, the funniest thing ever, it doesn't matter if you're 10 years old. I love counseling those little babies. Bring me those little ones that have issues and let me have a talk with them. But I also have 70 and 80-year-old women that I've counseled. And so it doesn't matter what age you're going to bring to me, bring them in my office. Let us go have coffee. And one by one, they all begin to say, I've got no idea why I'm telling you all this. And I say, it's all right. It's all right. I do. It's all right. Let's talk about what's going on. You know, not too long ago, I had someone come in my office, and this is what they looked like when they came in. And I'm in my chair going, all right, Jesus, here we go. Because I'm wondering, is this fight coming? And they crossed that threshold, and they broke in a moment of time. Tears started falling. I don't know what's happening. And all the stuff started spewing out of their life. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. You know, I've gone to Bible college and I've gone to counseling classes after counseling classes after seminar and read book after book and all that's good. Remember, we like to study, but no knowledge from man can do the things that the spirit and the anointing of God can do in a moment of time.
So it doesn't matter how many hours I've spent in classes and studying and knowing, if I've not spent time in the presence of the Lord, all I've got is head knowledge. I can't go to battle with head knowledge. I need to go to battle with the Holy Ghost. I need to go to the battle with the one that's defeated sin and death once and for all, who sits and reigns on the right hand of the throne of God. The anointing breaks the yoke. Isaiah 10 verse 27 says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Let me tell you, church, the anointing is not for the fivefold ministry. The anointing is not for the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the evangelists. The, not just for. The anointing is for everyone that calls on the name of Jesus. Everyone that's a born-again believer is the, has the opportunity and availability to walk in the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It has nothing to do with just the call and the mantle. Does that happen? Yes. But it also happens as you spend time in your prayer closet, as you spend time behind closed doors, getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives and reigns in you. Why not spend a little bit of time communicating with him? Why not spend a little bit of time of intimacy with him, getting to know who he is and letting him begin to flow through you and I, that when you end up encountering someone at the grocery store that's lost and down and out or at the bank or with your family or family reunion or the holidays coming up and you know that they need Christ but instead of putting your tail between your legs and walking away all of a sudden you got a holy boldness to come out and say you know what I've noticed the past few times I've seen you you've been a little sad can I go ahead and pray with you you don't even have to start preaching the gospel. All you've got to do is let the anointing of the Holy Ghost come on the scene. And next thing you know, that bondage that they've been walking in for weeks and months and sometimes years is broken in one moment of time. Just one moment. There was a lady a couple of Sundays ago. I don't really remember. She's over here. And she was a gray-haired lady. So she might have been a little bit older than me. I'm not really sure. And she's on her knees before the altar, and she's praying. And I'm going around, and I'm praying for people. And I go lay hands on her, and I felt this holy anger come up. Like, oh, Satan, you ain't got, you don't have any power over this woman. And began to prophesy over her scriptures. And I'm, you know, the Holy Ghost and English and everything's happening. And just begin to call it out for what it is. And a moment of time, she breaks. You feel the release finish out the prophecy, and she comes find me later and goes, I don't know what you did. Well, I do know it was the power of God in you, but I don't know what you did. But something broke off of me. I got offended years ago in church, and I don't know what just happened, but all of a sudden I know that I can't live like that because the walls I put up with the church, I've also put up with God. She goes, and you're way too young to understand that. And I thought, oh, Sure. Because it's all by the Holy Ghost. It has nothing to do with natural age. It's all by the Holy Ghost. So the anointing breaks the yoke. It's not about you and I. It's not about our knowledge and how much we see and how much we know. It's about our time with the Lord and our ability and our willingness to yield. Our willingness and our ability to just say, Lord, 
I'm tired. I don't have all the answers. I've seen you do a lot, but I'm done. I'm done trying. I'm done doing it on my own. I just need you to come on the scene. I need, for what all these people have been talking about, what I'm looking at in your word, I need it to be real in my life. I want it to be real in my life. Will you come? Will you come and help me to know you in this way? I promise you, as you begin to yield to God, you'll begin to be used time after time after time again. And it'll all be bigger than yourself. It'll all be something that you, in and of yourself, are not capable of doing. Why? Because the baptism in the Holy Ghost gives us the ability to supernaturally live how we otherwise couldn't live.